Hello, and thank you for checking out this episode of This Is Just a Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. A couple reminders before we get started with this episode. Um, I want to remind everybody to check out uh, the Facebook group at This Is Just a Phase, which has uh, updates on episodes uh, in guests featured, as well as uh, music videos, um, any shows and tours coming up by the bands featured, as well as additional information about guests who have podcasts, record labels, merch companies, uh, other podcasts as well. I allow uh, a lot of those people to uh, post on the group page and get their uh, get their businesses and what they're uh, trying to push out there to as many people as possible. Uh, it's just not about the podcast, but it's about the scene as a whole. And I encourage people to uh, post on the group as much as possible. Um, also, check out my uh, my Instagram my Instagram uh, account at jonathankent.311. Uh, I post uh, updates on episodes featured on there as well. Um, it's just a different platform that I decided to use. I kind of got away from Twitter and uh, mainly just focus on the Facebook and Instagram sides of uh stuff for the podcast. Um, also a quick reminder too, uh, for ever for anybody to check out, uh, mine and Mike Rotemoyer's, uh, label. This is just a record label. A uh, couple, about two months ago, we put out a compilation called, uh, this is just a compilation, uh, featuring 28 bands, uh, each having a song, um, bands from all across the globe, uh, bands like Jagger Holly, Lesser Creatures, I Am the Owl, The Homicides, Gatlin, Neon Bone, uh, Modern Shakes, Clayton, and so many others. Uh, so do yourself a favor and go check that out. It's uh, $5 plus shipping. Just head up me and Mike. Or you can head over to uh, this is just a record label.bandcamp.com and pick up a digital copy for just $3. Uh, that being said, Jay. Why don't you, the guys, take us away? You've got no motivation and you've got no self-esteem. There's a hole inside your head with no vision to be seen. Let's go. This episode, I sit down with Steve C. of the garage punk and roll band Wrath and the Wise Guys. We chat about getting into punk and metal at a very young age, growing up in the Virginia and the Florida scenes, running a cassette label, 
doing the solo thing, and finally coming up with the idea and forming the band. We also discuss how punk is experiencing sort of a resurgence during the pandemic, our frustration with politics in general, not taking yourself so fucking seriously, and so much more. So sit back, get the party started with this episode of This Is Just a Phase. Here's a song from Wrath and the Wise Guys 2021 EP, Rude, Crude, and Socially Unacceptable, called If I Started Killing. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, We've had correspondence for quite a while now, and it was just a matter of time and uh, and day to get you on the podcast, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm really stoked. It's uh, everyone's been super busy, so it's it's nice to have a a a second off. Oh yeah, I totally understand that. I, I have so much going on leading into December myself. Um, I started a record label a couple months ago, and we're we're prepping for our second release. And uh, nice. I'm throwing a show over in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, uh, for the big blow up for it and stuff. And nice. I, I've been rocking my brain trying to set everything up. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big task. You know, and um, plus working and doing two podcasts, it's like I only got so many hours in a damn day, yeah. dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> but man, thanks so much for being on. Like I said, man, I I really dig your band. I also dig your solo stuff. And, thank you, thank you. Um, we have a, a mutual friend that I just found out about. Um, you were in a brief uh, project with Alex Retro. Yeah. Um, I wanna say we were we probably jammed together like two or three times. Uh he had some solo stuff out 
And uh, at the same time, he was doing Atomic Treehouse at the same time. And this was, I want to say, like six years ago almost. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I was just like, man, I really like your uh, your solo stuff. Do you ever like have a full a full band? And he was like, no, let's see what happens. And so we just started playing and uh, we had already been jamming with another friend of ours. And it just, uh, I guess, you know, scheduling everything really just kind of <laughs> everyone yeah. ended up super busy like always yeah because i'd mentioned to him that i was gonna be having you on the podcast and he's like oh i know him blah 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 we did this yeah. thing briefly for like 10 minutes <laughs> right i just thought it was kind of funny that i had uh two floridians so close together on the podcast yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's a good friend oh that's awesome yeah i, I told like i told alex um i have uh an uncle who lives in Lando Lakes. Oh, nice. And um, so Tampa area. And my dad for five years uh, lived outside of Clearwater. Oh, wow. In, okay. In uh, Pinellas Park. Yeah, that's my area. Uh, I was in Clearwater for uh, probably I mean, about six years. And then I oh, moved wow. up to Pasco to get to get to the cheapness. And then that that turned around pretty quick. Everything shot up as soon as we got here. <laughs> yeah. From what I heard, Florida is pretty expensive, especially on the golf side. Yeah. It's just going crazy lately. I mean, I don't, we're, we, I mean, I, you know, being candid here, I was homeless for four months, like literally basically until Friday. Um, oh, holy we, shit, dude. Yeah. I mean, our, you know, our last landlord sold like a lot of landlords and, um, you know, kind of leaving us just without anything. We didn't have anything saved up because we just had the lease for a year and we're expecting, you know, a little bit longer of a stay. And, uh, yeah. Man, I had that shit happen to me uh, many years ago. I, I had was doing a rent-to-own on a trailer. Um, I'm about an hour north of Pittsburgh. Okay. And, um, I had gotten and uh, I got a, bought a trailer, and I was making like I don't know, like two hundred, like two hundred and some dollars every month. I was making to to go towards buying the trailer mm. on top of my lot rent. Right? right. So I had done that for it was God. It was almost it was like two and a half years, and I was just about to be paid off. Mm. Well, I had something happen with my work. My hours got cut or something. I fell behind on the lot rent mm -hmm. well so i had lapsed the lot rent and my landlord that fucker basically was like well you're done and i was like dude i have like two months to pay this trailer off and he's wow. like fucking sorry fucking i was at work dude i came home all the locks were fucking changed wow. me and my dad had to go and break into the trailer and get what we could out of the trailer damn that's insane yeah dude it was real fucked up dude i mean don't get me wrong i was you know, at like 22, 23 years old and, you know, wasn't the most responsible person in the world, but like, right. you know what I do? Like, it wasn't like I was like a year behind on rent. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, people just get ruthless. Oh yeah. And I mean, I've had my bout. I mean, after that happened, I was homeless bouncing on couches and shit. And like, mm -hmm. so I totally understand exactly what you were saying. And I could edit it, that part out just, just for privacy for you. You know oh, what I mean? I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty public about it, to be honest. I mean, okay. I don't, I, I like using my experiences to obviously show that, 
you know, if I can fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's crazy just how shitty, like, you know, every, you know, people sharing articles about the housing crisis and, you know, I'm sitting here looking at it like, dude, I'm staying at a hotel paying 20, almost $2,300 a month. How yeah. am I supposed to save up to get the fuck out? Exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's not possible. You know, I had, I, I had a lot of help from friends over the last month to help get, get that buffer to just get into a place. And honestly, the place that I got into, we, we were able to move in for $1,200, but this place was, it's, it needs some work. So, oh, for uh, sure. Most places yeah. do, man. So yeah, we're spending this whole week just basically gutting the place to, uh, <laughs> to get it into livable conditions. And that's why, that's why I messaged you earlier today. Cause I had saw, no, right. I had saw over the weekend that not only were you moving into a new place, but you were also prepping for a tour and everything. And that's why I reached out to you. I'm like, let me double check and see if Steve is still able to do this because he's pretty fucking busy. You know right. what I mean? That's, you know, that's that's all I get from everybody. It's like, dude, how are you how how are you even fitting this in? And it's like, I don't know, man. I'm just gonna stop what I'm doing, fit it in and keep doing. <laughs> and you know what? And here's the thing, like I'm 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 nobody in the podcasting world. You know what I mean? Like I do you, you know, we oh, you're someone to me. Oh, well, thank you. You're 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 very <laughs> sweet, man. I've been getting that a lot lately. I was like, I don't know how to fucking take it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it, it I I I felt the wave, um, and it's it's nice. It's a nice yeah. change. Yeah, it's, this the 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 maybe just me deciding to do the podcast, just like just like everybody else, dude. I'd I'd been so bogged down with. Mm-hmm the politics and the the whole pandemic thing and mm-hmm. just staring at a wall you know what i mean and not contributing right. to anything and like everything went to a standstill it's like i listen to podcasts and go i can fucking do this right. this doesn't seem that fucking hard i like to fucking talk i know a lot of right. people let's fucking do it right you know it's funny i actually i almost did the opposite um me and a buddy for like a year before the pandemic, we had hosted a um, like a YouTube talk show uh, every week on like Wednesday nights. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic hit and he was already kind of rocky and flaky. And so he, you know, he just decided it was done for him. So I got all the equipment I needed. And I was like, well, I mean, I've been writing music forever. And, you know, I've been in and out of bands and stuff, but I've never really... And it's been a while since I focused on my own music. So I was like, all right, well, now's my time. I'm really going to focus and I'm going to start recording. And so uh, like April of that year. So what, a year ago now, almost two or what? I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, I put out 2020. That's when I started noticing you were putting stuff out. Yeah. Um, April, I put out um, 21 years and then just uh, I it just started from there. And I just kept going and I started I started playing in a bass um late last year and that sort of fizzled out quick and I got the wise guys together. That's awesome. And I noticed you also besides doing the wise guys, you also perform solo too, just as wrath. Um, I I do I don't like too much. Um, I was right before I got the band together, sort of as an effort to get the band together. And then um, we decided we were super overworked. We played 20 shows in like five months 
just in Florida. And so we were like, you know, we're going to take a couple months and kind of just chill and regroup. But I have a really, once I start, I, I have a problem stopping. And I was like, well, I am going to play some solo shows and kind of go up the East Coast and keep, just keep plugging. Because I don't know how to stop playing. that's a hundred percent where I'd say very, I, to me, it was very black flag meets, uh, something like dead boys. See, I, I liked, I liked that you said dead boys and more <laughs> so or less black flag. And I'm here more, more dead right. Kennedys. Okay. Or I like PSOL or, mm-hmm. uh, or agent orange, the adolescence. 
Yeah, we get a lot of Agent Orange for sure. Yeah, and I think that's probably now. the surf, the surf guitar style. That's why I mm -hmm. kind of hear the Dead Boys too a lot, mm -hmm. or uh, and the Dead Boys too because of the rock and roll side. Yeah, we had a very '77 New York influence. Now, was that sure. always? Was that always an influence? That that kind of music was that always an influence to you early on when you were getting into punk rock? Um, you know, I I think. I started more with like Rancid and more street stuff. I guess more like uh, late 80s, early 90s type stuff. Um, you know, my dad had me listening to that and like the Smiths. So, mm -hmm. you know, 80s British pop. Uh, and then um, from there, it sort of it, it distinguished. Um, I, I grew up listening to the Smoking Popes a lot. Nice. So it was a lot of early, like early pop punk, skate punk and stuff like that, like Bad Religion. And then, um, you know, a lot of Ramones. But then as I started developing my own taste and honestly, I was more into metal growing up, uh, just the most extreme that I could find. And then I sort of lost that taste because there was just it's almost like it was too much to follow. <laughs> I yeah. started gravitating more towards like minute and a half songs than like five minute epics that I just like, wow. It's just a lot to take in. <laughs> and I don't know, and I don't know what it is about Florida, but the Florida metal scene is like notoriously like heavy. Yeah. And flashy it is. I mean, and like almost kind of like uh much much to crossover sound. Yeah, that it's <laughs> heavy, heavy death metal. Yeah, I mean, real heavy death people out here are nuts. I mean it's cannibal corpse mm. all over the place. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> So, and I mean, oh, I, and I originally didn't grow up here either. Um, I grew up in Virginia, uh, in Virginia beach, which oh, is okay. the, the high point of my tour. I'll be there next Wednesday. Oh, nice. Um, so I grew up there. Um, I moved down here when I was 21. Um, hence the song 21 years. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but, so yeah, it's been seven and a half years now. So, oh. but wow. yeah. What made you what made you move from Virginia down to Florida? Um, I my parents kicked me out. Uh, oh, yeah, I've been <laughs> I there, was, dude. I was 17 when you I know, kicked out. I was uh <laughs> I was taking full advantage of uh you know the no rent situation and honestly I was trying really, really hard to make my music stuff happen. I was playing drums in a band called Sniffing Glue and I was fronting another punk band called the Pornados, and we were both um you know, we were both gearing up to get some really, really good stuff happening. And then, you know, my parents just kind of got sick of it because I was doing nothing but mm -hmm. sleeping there and then going to play music. So my dad tells me to get out. And I knew this girl in Florida. And I was like, hey, man, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> that and sounds then, about right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I mean, hey, hey, got married about a year later and had a kid, you know, about a year after that. And here I am. <laughs> there you go, man. Like it works quite well, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what was what was like? Okay, you said you 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 grew up in Virginia. Mm. Um, what was the Virginia scene like at the time? Because obviously, we can sit here and talk about Virginia Virginia bands past, you know, um, mm. corrosion of conformity and gore and yeah, you know, of yeah. course the DC punk and the. The North, mm -hmm. the North Carolina scene merge and all that, but um, yeah, um, what 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 was specifically going in 
in Virginia at what the 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 new millennial. No, the new millennial. Um, I want to say it, <clears throat> when we started playing, it was really competitive. Um, it was a pretty tight knit scene, and to get in was pretty difficult, especially because I was, uh, excuse me, I, was, I guess. Like, I guess a pretty sheltered kid. Like, I grew up on punk and stuff, but my parents didn't really let me go to shows. So I didn't have that aspect of it. So when I started trying to play shows, it was sort of me reaching out on Facebook to people that I've heard played shows. And, you know, it was this weird sort of thing. So people always sort of saw me as the the outsider. You know, I was never really in the scene, not really able to hang out as much as everybody else. So... You weren't um, like a lat. You weren't like a latchkey kid where you could be out all right. night, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would just sort of pop up, and then everyone would be like, "Who the fuck is this kid? This fucking crazy!" You know, I'm fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going crazy. It shows. And everyone's like this young kid, especially because the Pornados. Um, it was it was a lot of the older guys, the people that were in the '80s and the '90s punk scene up there that were keeping it around and. I mean, you know who the how those guys are, the guys who have been in the, the local scene for upwards of 30 years, and they're oh, yeah. gatekeeping it, you know, it's as hard as they can. Yeah, you know what? You know what sucks is I'm I'm 20, 27 years. I got into punk when I, you know, in 94. Um, mm. I knew that punk existed before that, but I didn't know it was called punk. Okay. Um, you know, like like the Ramones and Sex Pistols, people are just like, "Oh, that's like rock and roll." You know, nobody right. was telling me it was punk, because um, mm. I was like, I was an older kid. None of my cousins were in into rock music; they were in like country and like hip hop and stuff. So, right. like, I pretty much got into like Nirvana, like everybody else did. And once Nirvana hit, it was like floodgates. And, right. Uh, and then when I got into Green Day, it was pretty much myself. But now, now twenty seven years later. I hate older people like myself that are so gatekeepy. <laughs> right. Like I hate that shit, dude. Like it drives me nuts, man. I'm like, you know, I'll talk shit sometimes, mm-hmm. like maybe about somebody. Cause whether or not they're, you know, whether or not a band change or sound or whatever, like the whole green day conundrum, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they were good right. until this point. I've been guilty of that. Hating right. on good Charlotte, hating on Fallout Boy. I've been guilty of all that shit. Right. But now at 40 years old, I'm like, dude, the scene's so small. Dude, if people just want to sniff at it, let them in, dude. You know right. I mean? Right. Really. Like, because that's, I mean, that's the whole point is to just be welcoming. You know, yeah. we're all, yeah. I don't know. You're supposed to feel the comfort. I'm 40 years old. I don't want to see it die. I don't want to see this. Right. You know, and if, if it means rappers putting out punk records to get people interested in other older punk bands, fucking let them, dude. I don't give a shit. Right. I don't care. How I, I got into it from MTV. Does that make me any less right than somebody who got into it in 77? No, I don't right. think so. But, right. Anywho, let me let me stop rambling about that shit. Cause I, grew, <laughs> I get all worked up about that gatekeeping bullshit, dude. Nah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel that it's hard. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like, I, I want, I've seen so many bands just like yourself, seen so many bands fall through the cracks, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the reasons I started the podcast was so 
there's documentation of these bands, so they aren't the ones that fall through the crack. You know, a lot of bands I grew up in, people will never know. People will never know the bands I got into in you know, right. 1996. You know what I mean? They're not going right. to know these bands. It's like the new zine, basically. Yeah, it's some kind of, it's it's audio, it's audio, uh, um, documentation of these of these bands and, and these musicians yeah that's right yeah <laughs> that's the way i look at it i look at it yeah. as being some kind of piece of uh um history that people could go back and and know that these people and these this music was being made that's but, awesome yeah thanks but no, enough like about that. me let's let's talk about you Steve. <laughs> I could, like I said, I could fucking ramble for hours because I'm hopped up on <laughs> caffeine. Right. <laughs> yeah, I had to walk down the street. That's why it took me an extra five minutes. I had to go get some coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like that's like I meant to start at six o'clock, and I was like, "Well, fuck, I gotta make another cup of coffee. I, I need what? another cigarette. Like, yeah, he can wait a couple minutes. It'll be fine. Because <laughs> I'm real professional, man. Oh yeah, yeah, we're super professional here. Yeah, 30, 34 <laughs> episodes in, and I'm just as professional as day one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you said you were in a bunch of bands. You were in the Pornados. And what was mm. the first band you mentioned? Uh, it was called Sniffing Glue. Sniffing Glue, okay. Mm. Um, that sounds very familiar, but, I mean, it's Sniffing Glue. It's a, it's a common name, right. so. Yeah. Um, uh, me and Alex, me and Alex have joked around on his episode. I It's like... um. I haven't heard them, but I've heard of them, and that's been a little joke that that we, we right. both kind of we both kind of think that we've talked about it on his episode. But right, um, so you started. Okay, you moved to Florida. Mm. Did you did you were you playing in bands when you moved to Florida, or were you just trying? You know, you said you got married, you had a kid, that all right. kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I want to try to think the timeline now when I got here, um, we, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time was still living with her parents. So we moved in there for a little bit and, um, you know, I'm sitting here looking for a job and stuff and I found the little local DIY venue. It was called the goat house in Odessa, Florida. Oh, cool. And <clears throat> so I reached out to the owner and I was like, Hey man, uh, I just moved here, you know, trying to play shows. And he was like, all right, well, let me throw you on this. And her parents were pissed that I had booked a show here before I'd even gotten a job. <laughs> I was like, man, oh, I, man. I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, this is my job. I don't, <laughs> I don't work. I play music. So, <clears throat> so I did that. Um, I'm trying to think the first band. I think the first band I played in down here, I played bass in a pop punk band called Open Box Policy. Okay. Which, um, they had been around for a little bit, and their bassist, I think, went to college, and so we played for a little bit. Um, I booked us a tour with a band. Um, I guess while I was in that band, I started a record label, um, and we were putting out tapes, and so I put out a tape and booked a tour for a band from Ohio called The Bakers. Oh, and okay. Was, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, so I was like, all right, well, I'll have my band um, support you in Florida for the four dates. So we played two shows of that. They decided to drop me off at home because they didn't want to keep going. And that was that. Oh. And now, uh, <laughs> oh. wow. I mean, they were, like, I mean, uh, they were, we were all pretty young. So I understand, 
um, like where they were. I'm I like I said, I'm nuts. I'll do anything. I'll go. I don't I don't care. This is all I want to do. But now, I mean, the lead singer of that band is now the lead singer of Sherwood, who they you know, they've been playing fest. They've been getting a lot mm -hmm. of good recognition. So I know this dude's still been working hard. Yeah, didn't so, they just play? Didn't they just? Didn't they just play that festival down in Florida recently? Yeah, they just played Fest. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know that's that's uh, Vinny Suffredini. So I know he's been working really, really hard. Yeah, my buddy Steve uh, flew down there for that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when when you you did that band for a while and and mm -hmm. you're kind of trying to find your footing, uh, what led to you just deciding? just to do wrath and the wise guys. I mean, was it the, was it, was it the pandemic? Was that what, what caused you to decide to do wrath? Yeah. Uh, for the most part, um, I, um, like I started recording my own solo stuff. Cause I was like, you know, I know how to do this and I know how to make it sound really good. And I have a, a, a literally, I don't know if you listen to 21 years and I'm going to yeah. stroke my ego really hard, but it's, it's radio ready. You know what I mean? That's my radio song. That's yeah. That's a really good song. I was going to, I was going to say that. Yeah. That's, that sounds <laughs> a lot different than the EP. Right. And that's, I mean, it's been written for seven years now and I feel, I feel like an old creepy guy almost still talking about being 21 or whatever, but I firmly believe that that's the, and you know, I wrote that when I first moved here, I had a crappy demo of it up for a long time and then i was like you know i just got to do the thing if i can't you know i that's how i started when i first turned 18 was i'm gonna write a bunch of songs i i grabbed a bass and drums and recording equipment and i was like i'm gonna record my own demos and send them out and it never works that way nobody ever likes your shit enough unless you're paying them a whole bunch of money so that never worked but yeah the pandemic happens and i'm recording and i'm recording more of the demos that uh of songs that i had written before i moved here and i was like yeah i really just want to um like find my own band i um i started listening i got reacquainted with my favorite guitar player in the world john five and you know started obsessing re-obsessing over him and um honestly taking quite a bit of psychedelics at the same time and <laughs> re just re you know getting creative again re-becoming an artist really um because i'd spend so much time in like management and you know the behind the scenes like record label type stuff that i really was just super rusty and um i just i latched on to the idea of john five and just wanted to lead a band really really hard and so i started writing a lot of uh honestly more like his style like uh instrumental guitar music Mm -hmm. um and at the same time i was like well i i play a lot of different kinds of music and you can kind of always tell that it's rap so i think what i'll do is just take the solo show and you know form a band and just do the whole the whole thing and so i got a drummer and a bass player and of course because most of the full band songs that i had were super punk they gravitated more towards that. And then as the band sort of built around, it became more of the just skate punk garage rock side of it. And so everybody's decided, influences were coming together at that point. Right. And so it, you know, we decided to take um, not at the beginning, a more collaborative route because obviously I had the groundwork laid 
and stuff like that. But it was like, well, why don't we spin this off into Wrath and the Wise Guys and take that skate punk front and push that part of it? Okay. And now, so... <clears throat> I have a oh, question for you, though, real mm-hmm. quick. You mentioned you were doing the you were doing the record label, the, the tape label. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the name of that, and how long did you do that for? Um, that was called Gutterloon Records. And... I probably did that for two or two and a half years, I want to say, Um, right up until probably until my kid was about three or four months old. um, You know, I was doing really well, uh, making tapes and all kinds of stuff for bands, booking tours and all kinds of stuff. And then, uh, you know, before my son was born, you know, my wife's going to the doctor and all this stuff and I'm, you know, doing all this stuff and I just I'm not able to get orders out the way that i was and it all just sort of crash and burn yeah like it's you know it's it's the classic story but you know my son's born and i my wife has to go to work and i'm the only one you know i'm at home all day trying to take care of him and then working at night and i was just like i i you know it unfortunately i let a lot of people down um at the end of it but um you, you know, know it's, it's that a giant happens. learning experience for sure you know that happens I, I i quit playing in bands um right around the time my daughter was born and she's 16 mm. now and mm. um i had it such like in my head that like i didn't have any examples to set in front of me so you know how do you mm-hmm. juggle a band how do you juggle family well fa- obviously family comes first Mm-hmm. And then slowly as the years go by, you try to start a band, you try to do this, you try to do that, but it's, you know, but it's not so much let, yeah, you let people down, but most people, they'll understand the circumstances and they'll, you know, they'll move on from it. It's hard to, it's hard right. to hold a grudge when it involves somebody becoming a parent and, and trying to right. support their family, you know what I mean? Right. And honestly, I, I hope, and you know, I hope, and I think most people saw my intention from the beginning, which is I, yeah, I really do just want to help people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's crazy how stuff goes down sometimes. It really, it really is, man. And you know what, in, in kids and being married changes fucking everything, man. Like, yeah. you know what, when you're younger, you can do what you want to do. Like, like you said, kicked out of the house, you moved to, you move to Florida, you do these things, you kind of hop around, blah, 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 you know what I mean? But then when a kid comes, right, it's time to get fucking serious, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just totally changes your brain. I mean, I know that I've done a lot of growing mm-hmm. since my son was born, just, you know, getting my own shit together. So the how, how old's your, how old's your son? Um, He's five. Five, He'll, oh, like five he's and a half. Yeah. He's at the fun age, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's a fun age. (laughs) (laughs) That's when it gets real fun. Yeah, yeah, he just doesn't stop talking. No, my youngest (laughs) is 10 now, he still doesn't stop talking, so it's gonna be a while before they do that. (laughs) I mean, I I still have that problem, so I don't know if it'll ever stop. (laughs) Probably not. I'm a motor mouth myself, man. (laughs) Right, Right. but but this also the second question I wanted to ask you. Where did the name Wrath and the Wise Guys come from? So Wrath originally, um, me and a buddy of mine uh, and a couple friends of mine, we were gonna start like a black metal band called uh, like 
some seven deadly sin shtick, and I was gonna be wrath with no W, and my buddy was carnage with a K, and okay, it was all kind of just stupid shit. We were like fourteen, and the metal band thing didn't work out, but for some reason the name stuck, and so me and Carnage uh, started writing like joke songs. And okay. so we're basically in a half tenacious D cover band, half stupid high school, horrible jokes mm-hmm. uh, thing. And so we were called RK Radio after Wrath and Carnage. And um, it it just sort of stuck um, when I when I decided to do the solo stuff with um, like with the heavy guitar centric stuff. You know, I figured Wrath was as good a name as any like John five. And I figured that would stick, especially with heavy guitar instrumentals. Mm-hmm. So it was originally just going to be wrath, um, wrath with my backing band. And then, um, one of the guys suggested, well, why don't we do an, and the, and I was like, all right, well, as long as it's not too cheesy, cause it's really easy to do that. Yeah. yeah. So actually our original drummer suggested the wise guys. And it's really, uh, unfortunate he only ended up playing two shows with us oh wow but but yeah yeah it's it's crazy i don't know if you've seen the pictures we wear jerseys and stuff and i still have his jersey because it showed up after he left and uh, we, yeah, yeah i, I saw the jersey those are cool thank you we uh we're unveiling some new ones our first show january 22nd oh that's so, good we got brand new jerseys oh, so but yeah so it's it's been a fun ride. I mean, we've other than the drummers, we've actually stayed consistent. We've only we played our first show at the end of April, I want to say, and that was not even really. We played. <laughs> I I hired us to play like a pop punk emo night at this local bar <laughs> that we did not get asked back to. Oh no! <laughs> now was it because of the 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 thrashy aspect of your band? I don't think so. Um, everyone seemed pretty entertained, but it's just not what we do. And we sort of, I had planned on doing it with the last band I was with. Um, and there's a whole story to that and they, you know, they pissed me off. So I quit and they were like, but we really want to play the show cause we need money. And I was like, so you just want to use me. <laughs> so I was like, I was already jamming with the guys who had become the wise guys. And I was like, Hey, I have like two, three weeks to come up with a three hour emo set. Do you guys want to make some money with me real quick? And they were like, yeah, fuck it. So, <laughs> so it was really half ass and execution. I like, I busted my knee out. Um, obviously, uh, drinking a little too much. And then I, uh, um, I did a jump and I landed straight leg and uh, my guitarist, who is an EMS, had to help me. Oh, uh, no shit, dude. Yeah, my knee was blown out for like a solid. I mean, it took me at least a month to walk normal. It was bad. Oh, that's yeah, fucked up, dude. I could, yeah, I could, I was feeling it. When you said straight leg, I, I do exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's and I was, it was bad because I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty wasted. Like, if I can feel this, I know it's bad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you felt it through the liquor right <laughs> yeah and i mean it sucked too because i i hit you know i hit the ground and then i'm like fuck it i'm going down but it's the end of the song so i'm like fuck it i'm gonna keep playing so nobody knows that i'm in pain everyone's like oh that's so cool and then 
the song ends and I don't get up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then your guitar player runs over and helps yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. We had just come back from a break too. It was like the first or second song after a break. So it was it was all kinds of embarrassing. Oh now is your is your lineup the same? Is it Wrath, Hooligan, Birdman, and Chopper? Is that still the same lineup? Yep. Yep, it's okay. still the four of us. Okay, so that's that because that's what is written on um, the EP. Is that's yep. that's that's what's on there, but that wasn't the lineup. The entire all the recording stuff, right? Um, for recording, yeah. Um, that that's oh, wow. that's been us. So we played the two shows with our first um with our first drummer Iggy, and then we played one show. After we had tried out this guitar or this drummer named Garrett, and he wanted to be more like Rush, and okay. obviously just not our thing, he wanted to play like constant fills, and I was like, I'd prefer a Tommy Lee back there, someone who can kind of show off and but but you know play some driving, you yeah. know the driving beats. So we played one show with him, and then we played one more show with our guitarist on drums which we still had our bassist uh hooligan i just played guitar and vocals the whole time and he played drums and um uh hooligan had put out like a craigslist ad and so uh chopper had just moved down from like pittsburgh or actually i guess he had been in pensacola for about a year and then moved down here so he came out to that show that was at the verona and uh so he came out to see us as a three piece, and then from then on, it was us four. Nice. Twenty one years of backstabbing truth. I don't know why I didn't just jump off my roof I can hear you screaming so damn loud But you'll never believe what I found It's a little piece of me But it's not what you wanted to see I'm not here to please anyone And I'll be singing fuck you until I'm done Twenty-one years in that godforsaken town Just like everyone I'll be back around I know my mom thinks that she misses me but she wouldn't if she knew about my killing spree it's a little piece of me but it's not what you wanted to see I'm not here to please anyone and I'll be singing fuck you until I'm done
I'm not asking for your sympathy And I'm not trying to live this life for free This is my anthem and this is my creed Please just let me be all that I've seen I wouldn't give a damn thing for a time machine but I'm not here to please anyone fucking me it's a little piece of me but it's not what you wanted to see I'm not here to please anyone And I'll be screaming, fuck you, when I'm done. You guys did, um, the first, the first single was 21 Years, we had talked about that. That was all me. That was Um, all you, that's right, that's all That recording, um, Anarchy United is all me as well. Okay, that was the second one, yeah. Right, so those singles were me. And then, so what? Grow old with you is the full band. Nope, that one's still me. That one's <laughs> All the covers on there are me. The only thing I've recorded live, full band, um, so far with these guys is uh, "Rude, Crude, and Socially Unacceptable." Okay, okay. So all the so all the singles and the covers from last year were you. Yeah, and yeah. everything leading up to "Rude, Crude, and Socially Unacceptable" is the full band. Yeah, okay. I got Stiff, you. Okay. Even Stift, I recorded myself. Um, because that was it was honestly that song. Um, it was for a compilation that my friend at uh, Ramones Core Radio Records put together, and it was gonna be for another project I have called The Lazy Romantics. Um, oh, it's okay. supposed to be more of a joke, like a joke skate pop punk kind of thing. Uh, we have a cover of, like Bikeage up. Um, and my, my guy who I'm doing that with couldn't get like his parts in time to submit it. And so I showed it to the wise guys and they were like, yeah, this is cool. So, um, that recording wise is me, but we do play that song. Now, which comp was that on Ramones Core Radio? Um, that one's the summer this year. So this the summer splash. Oh, okay. The one, okay, like yeah, the one the that pink cover with the chick on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm friends. I'm friends with the Knicks. Okay, yeah, both Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had them on a couple times. Um, oh, and nice. I just recently had uh, Nick Nose uh, partner with the podcast on Nick Spoon. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I talk to Nick Spoon every day, dude. Like me and him <laughs> on the phone all the time, dude. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, BB kind of became a. He was one of the one of the biggest supporters when I started the podcast. Nice. So he's, yeah, Spoonie's like fucking that. awesome. Yeah, yeah, and Nick knows cool too. And uh, I, I, I try, I try not to give him a big head. You know what I mean? So right. I keep no a little. But level. they're doing the thing, man. They're they're really trying to push it, and I can honestly, it's it's funny because I can tell their influence on. This is uh, this is just a record label, for yeah. sure. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, thank so, you, uh, thank you for thank you for remembering the name of the record label. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yes, I I I um I like it. I like the this is just a phase, and I like the the theme throughout. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I that's wanted, that's what everyone says about punk. You know, ah, oh, you you know, you're just some punk kid. You know, you're gonna grow out of it. Exactly. <laughs> Lo and behold, I'm more pissed off than I ever was. Exactly. Now I'm 40 and really pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, I I didn't want the record label to be hokey. Mm-hmm. But I uh, when I was coming up for the record label, I was like, let's just call it. This is just a record label. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. Because we're not gonna be we're not gonna be specifically any kind of punk, you know. I right. would like it to be punk and hardcore, but I'm not trying to find myself in a niche, right? If I like it, I fucking want it out. And the comp speaks for itself. I mean, there's skate punk bands, there's hardcore right. bands, there's you know a little bit more emo-ish sounding bands. Like right. it's that's the, when I when I look back to the old like comps of growing up that's what I remember not everything right. sounding the same mm-hmm. and uh the band that we're going to be putting out uh coming out next they sound like Alkaline Trio and Sam I Am and Jawbreaker nice that's awesome yeah they're the third track on the comp Gatlin nice okay yeah they're really they're really good uh really good band. I've, I've known the singer for a long time um he we kind of came up in the uh the local scene together and nice. um, found out he was doing found out he was working with a drummer that i met later on who has worked with a bunch of other friends of mine found out they were in a band together i'm like let me hear your wow. shit dude yeah. that's funny do you know what the pittsburgh scene is really funny like that because it's it's so much smaller than than you think because it is sort of like that I mean, it's not five degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like everybody does know everybody through like one guy. Yeah, exactly. And usually like, in our scene, it's Damon Chi. Yeah, he's played with everybody. He's mm. played with Don Caballero. He's played with mm. um, Caustic Christ. He's played with uh, Killer of Sheep. I mean, he's played with so many bands, dude. Right. Right. Yeah. And, yeah actually, uh, both of our drummers have been from Pittsburgh. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. No shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's super, super weird. You ever um you ever work with Derek Reed at all? No, I haven't. Okay. He does some die nameless and he does a lot of like Scott. Oh, okay. He throws shows for um he throws shows for we have a venue called uh called the Fallout Shelter. Yeah, yup. Yeah, and um, my my friend Sam and my brother-in-law Chris's band they they were called Dead City Dillers. They used to play some die nameless shows all the time. Nice. Them and Children of October, the Jasons, yes. um, all those guys. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like I'm a little bit north of Pittsburgh. I said I'm an hour north of Pittsburgh. Right. And then I'm like an hour and forty from Cleveland, and I'm about twenty minutes from Youngstown. Yeah, right, right. Ohio, right, which is like uh, Johnny Three, um, Hollywood Blondes, um, Mm -hmm. those guys. Those were those bands that came through. Hell Um, yeah! But um, yeah, I was very lucky enough that I'm kind of in like this weird little, this weird little pocket where like, you know, they're separate scenes, but at the same time, they're like kind of interwoven. You know what I mean? Together, right? It's it's almost like Tampa and Orlando. Yeah, you know, being able to go, we're like an hour and a half apart, two hours. So it's like you know, we're always trading. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like uh, I lived in Pittsburgh. I got I got to know Pittsburgh bands. Uh, my mm. excuse me, my best friend Sam moved up to Cleveland, so I got to know a lot more Cleveland bands. And mm-hmm. being so close to Youngstown, it's just Youngstown's where we went when we couldn't go to Pittsburgh or Cleveland. You know, we're like, well, let's stay local. Right. You know, <laughs> right? And Cleveland's dead boys. So I mean, yeah, uh, all kinds of crazy. Oh, dead boys, and um, let me think. Akron, you got the uh, Pretenders and Devo, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Black Keys. Yeah, that whole scene, and mm-hmm. Cleveland and Pittsburgh have really big hardcore scenes too. Yeah, yeah, you know Virginia really did too. Um, not just in Virginia Beach, but Richmond, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, those, you hear the early DC. See, a lot of those bands were from Virginia. Yeah, there was just some violent fucking shows. <laughs> oh my oh, God. I've been at some fucking. We used to have a venue in Youngstown called the Nyabingi, dude, and I've seen some fucking violent <laughs> shows there, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Holy fuck. See Murphy's Law come through and he's throwing fucking full beer cans at people in the crowd. <laughs> like, yeah, we had, I mean, we had Suffocate come through uh, for the last show at this venue called the Peppermint Beach Club and people were throwing bar stools out the fucking windows. And, no shit, dude. <laughs> like, dude, they destroyed this place. Like, I, I tell people all the time, do you want to know what the hardcore scene is like in, in Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio? We're stockpiled between two of the most aggressive bands. Cleveland mm. has Ringworm. Mm. Pittsburgh has Submachine. Yeah. So do the fucking math, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are pretty fucking crazy shows, man. But yeah, like when I when I look at when I look at when I look at Florida, two things: heavy fucking metal and ska. Yeah, you get the less than Jake. Less um, than Jake. Yeah, that's because I'm ignorant about the Florida scenes. <laughs> right. And I mean, like, it, and, you know, I want to say, like, of course, there's not like a crazy amount of ska bands, but there's definitely a nice little stronghold. There's colorblind dinosaurs down here, which are awesome. Nice. Um, you know, you've got victims of circumstance who have been doing the thing for 20 years. We have we were talking about them too on Alan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that episode. Yeah, that episode, yeah. nice. Yeah, they um, yeah they've been doing the thing. I've seen uh, let's see. I saw Hugo Scavia when I first moved here, and I don't even know how much they do anymore. Oh wow! But yeah, I mean they they pop up every now and then for sure. And Virginia Beach was like that too. We'd get uh, we had Jack Move, which is one of like our bigger ska bands, and then mm-hmm. every couple of years you'd have a really nice pop. Of like ska revival, yeah. But yeah, like like I I think that's really cool. Like I don't want to sound like that guy that's like oh Florida ska bands, but like I don't know tons of Florida bands, <laughs> right? And I mean Florida's it's it's weird because you're either I mean most of it is just parrot head Jimmy Buffett crap or you know tap out metal crap you know the radio whatever it's you know the underground is insane but it's dwindling so much just because there's nowhere to go yeah that's really the problem there like a lot of people when they think of pittsburgh they go oh anti-flag i'm right yeah but there's a lot of other shit going on (laughs) right 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 for every anti-flag there's a there's the cheats or there's like i said killer of sheep or 
you know, shit, we used to have a band that were uh, signed to uh, the guy from Less Than Jake's record label, the Fuel by Ramen. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, I knew the guys in Punchline. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they're all from they're all from the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, that's what's up. Them and um, I, don't know, I don't know if you remember the Juliana Theory. Yeah. Yeah, they're from they're actually from like Greensburg. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we had like a nice little like that kind of like emo pop punk like, mm-hmm. scene that was going on. A lot of people were getting were getting exposed to Pittsburgh like that, and they were getting on like the Warp tours and shit like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but for every those bands, there's like thousands that nobody right. you know how it goes, man. Right, right. You I know? mean that's that's it sounds like Chicago a lot too, you know. Oh yeah, you know, that's like talking popes and Fallout Boy and Alkaline Trio and Rise Against and all them. Yeah, I've interviewed a couple Chicago bands and I'm like, you know, like what's the scene like? And it's like, well, those bands like well, real friends and like these guys, yeah, they're they're out, they're way beyond the sea now. But when right. they do play, I mean, everybody's still cool. You know what I mean? It's not yeah, that weird. that's I. It's the Chicago scene has always been this sort of mystical thing for me. For everything I've heard, it's just like fuck. I want to move out there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and having friends that live out there, I'm like, hmm. Right. It sounds so crazy supportive out there. Like, as, as long as you're doing the thing, you know? Yeah, and that's really what it is. It's, it's nice to see that even the bigger cities, they're, it's still, mm-hmm. the scene's still small enough that these bands are still connected somehow and, you know, right. respect one another. Right, right.
one thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2021, this year, you released the um, the EP Rude, Crude, and Social Unacceptable. Mm-hmm. The thing that I like about you guys is you guys are kind of like the party band. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys don't write jokey fucking songs, man. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you're a song, it's very political. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously because of the time. Um, right. Being being from Florida, I'm sure um that could have been you know, very rough at that time because Florida can be seen as very conservative state. Right. Um, Same thing with Pennsylvania. I mean, in this last election, Pennsylvania was one of the, the deciding states. Right. So when in Pennsylvania, you know how it can go either way. One, one, one election, it could go one way next. It could go different. Totally. Um, So deciding to write this where, I mean, obviously the, the, the lyrics are, are, are serious but in the same time very tongue tongue in cheek they're not preachy um right what was your what was the genesis of these lyrics being written was it written through quarantine or were they songs that you were kind of sitting on for a little bit no you know what i wrote these before all six of those songs were written before i moved here um <clears throat> oh wow really and honestly yeah they were written through obama to be honest Holy um, shit, dude. If that, right, if that shows any sort of where my political uh, compass lays, which is nowhere. <laughs> okay, that, that uh, makes sense. Know, I, I don't <laughs> give a shit who's president. They're all a bunch of assholes. Yeah, well, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's different side of the same coin, man. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's all. It was my first. It was my first brush at writing for a band, really in a serious way that had. I mean, real members, because I had been writing solo stuff. I put out my first solo thing when I was 16. And I probably wrote these songs when I was 20, uh, going into 21. And so I was just really, uh, I guess, learning more and more. Um, And as my understanding of how things work grew, but also, you know, obviously, as your understanding grows, especially in politics, it sort of wanes at the same time. Because it's like, well, that doesn't fucking make sense. Yeah. Like, none of this is it. It like, sure, you can say that, and that's what we're doing, but that doesn't even. How does that help anything? And so it just it that's I channeled all of my just, you know, I'm I'm a new adult, and and you know, really figuring things out from myself and you know i'm I, i've obviously been super opinionated forever but it it really just started serious in seriousness um there so i was just getting that and and you know getting into the whole rock star thing i guess really where you know where nose candy and stuff like that comes in obviously yeah. that's very you know that just new york grimy fucking you know i was semi-homeless living at the beach half the time because i didn't want to be around my parents and Mm-hmm. you know just getting i mean even at that time experimenting more heavily with different drugs and stuff and it you know just the whole whirlwind the whole um, experimenting uh, phase right yeah yeah and and just really coming into what my ideals are and just sort of giving up on either side and just you know sort of fuck everything yeah but and i mean and the i like that it's it's cool that it's not a, it, it's even cooler that it's not a Trump album. 
because it's very easy to write a Trump album these days. Right. And this is, yeah, this Trump wasn't even, I mean, he, you know, he had talked about running, you know, against Obama or whatever and quickly shoot out and he wasn't even a thought. And it, I mean, I definitely think it rings more true, you know, especially as, uh, as reactionary as we all are to, to the Trump machine. Yeah. But you know, it, it, even still now, even Biden, it's all, you know, it's all the same, dude. Yeah. It's all crap. You know, know, we're quiet for four years. We're loud for four years. We're all, it's, you know. Yeah. People get really, really kind of shocked when I say that they're like, Oh, so when do you think the lot when when do you think like the economy and blah blah is its best? Then I go, Bush Jr. And they look at me and go, Really? And I go, Yeah, because I fucking made sixty dollars an hour. Right. I worked a good fucking job. You know, yeah, we were in the midst of a war, but at home I was good. I could take care right. of my family. Ever right. since then, like, you know, but don't get me wrong, I, I Did Obama do anything better for me? Did right. Trump do anything better? Right. And all the same for, you know, what, 13 years? It's yeah. it's the same. And, you know, what political affiliation is only what's written on a piece of paper. You know, right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think they're all crooked bastards. Yeah, I mean, in in my eyes and what I believe is it's they're all just actors. It's a check and a script. And at a certain mm-hmm. point, they say, here's your million dollars. You read this or we kill your family. Yeah, basically, you know, I not everybody needs that push, but mm-hmm. guaranteed everybody who it's all just about money. It's about how I can make money and I'll say whatever who's giving me that money tells me to say. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, and, and, and as a country, we rebelled against the idea of the monarch, which was a figurehead. Mm-hmm. And here mm-hmm. we are, 240, 400, 245 years later, and mm-hmm. we're the president's the exact same thing. Right. Like, that's the only person in politics who matters. Exactly. And like, that's, that's the exact opposite, because he has the least power. Uh huh. When you really look at it, and so they, it's it's all just big distraction. It is every single thing. It's a fucking smokescreen for us to charge right. at the bit and have the masses talking about something. Right. As long as and people guess, are talking. Right. And I guess to to steer it away from the anger side of it, um, you know, you did mention that we're you know we're the party band. We really, uh, I I'm a big fan of Green Day. Um, you know, I know I play punk rock and garage stuff, and I should hate that and whatever, but they're the, doing the exactly first seven albums do. of Green Day were unfucking beatable, dude. Sorry, right? And you know what? They they're doing exactly what they want to do. Billy Joe has never compromised. He's doing what he wants to do. He found a way to put more money into his craft. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. You're paying this much for a concert ticket because you know there's just so much more that goes into any of it we just that's kind of the whole thing you know like our our songs are an outlet for what we're experiencing but the music is a way to let it go and to actually just have fun for a minute and that's why we do have a song like stiff and we have you know we have stuff like that and we're still goofy as shit on stage because my goal 
is you, you might be singing about it, but forget the rest of the world while you're here. And we, you know, cause everything fucking sucks. Yeah, exactly. So at least have some fun while we're here. Cause that's, you know, that's why we came. Exactly. And, and I, and I, and I, like I said, I, I was excited that you reached out, for, reached out to me because I see your, ba- I see your band everywhere on social media. <laughs> um, and I dig the stuff that you guys do. And, and it's nice to see bands that aren't, that don't take themselves fucking seriously. Right. There's none right. of that. It's, it's posturing, but it's joking. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like people who do like the eighties cover bands. None of them <laughs> are fucking we're taking steel themselves Panther, seriously. You know? we're, yeah. We're the steel Panther of punk rock. <laughs> we can, you know, we can sit here and make fun of ourselves and, but we're still gonna do the thing. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't gonna call you still Panther, but if <laughs> if, if the shoe fits, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it, it sucks because stage show wise, I always go back to man, we should be fucking Motley Crew out there. So you know, it fits. <laughs> yeah, just make sure that you're Motley Crew and not like Cinderella. Yeah, <laughs> and then we're good, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Real quick before I let you go, uh, mm. this year you did a cover of the Wednesday 13 song, ah. Till Death Do Us Party. Yes. Great fucking song. I just yes. wanted to know that I think that's a killer fucking song. Dude, thank you. You're uh, dude, it's so crazy because I've wanted to cover that, I mean, since I I really stumbled onto Wednesday 13 and got more into him um, when he put out the Fuck It, Let's Do It Live CD yeah. and DVD. Um which I mean, you're you know you're from up there. That was at Crocodile Rock. Yep. And um, so super super fun show. I mean, he's a great performer, and I love I love all that shit. And I heard the first time I heard that song, I was like, that's the most fun song ever. This weird like this like pop punk song almost out of this crazy like goth icon, and mm-hmm. it was so cool. And I was like, okay, well you know my band. Um, I was really, 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 really trying to get them to do a Misfit song through October, especially as our last little run, and we just couldn't get it. I was like, man, I really need to do some some spooky Halloween shit. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna release this, and then I find out that October 13th is a Wednesday. I was like, oh, you got me fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, well, well, I guess I have to do it. So I, uh, yeah, I just recorded that. I actually one of the first tracks I um. I recorded with my wife. She uh, helped me with some backup vocals on that. And if I can plug real quick, um, we were talking about Ramones Core Radio Records, and they were supposed to put out a Halloween compilation. And I got into recording with my wife. Um, She goes by Maggie Blitz Mm -hmm. um, artistically. And so we put out our first original um, called Rage with the Undead for her. Um, we were supposed to do it on that compilation and, you know, Nick, no sort of disappeared. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah. He did that. <laughs> so I was like, Hey, Spoon, um, what's up with that? And he was like, Oh, I don't know. So, <laughs> so he was like, yeah, man, just like go out and put it out. And I was like, sweet. So we ended up releasing it ourselves. And then, um, we just released a cover of big mouth strikes again by nice. the Smith. And it's this super, super grungy, like complete different direction um, for the song. So we had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I have to throw that out there because she's the best and most supportive fucking person ever. So she was like, yeah, I think I'll try this, you know, try the music thing out. And I was like, well, fuck, yeah. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I gotta check those songs out, man. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you a link for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, like I said, uh, you're gonna be getting ready to do a uh, um an East Coast tour. When's that kickoff? Yes, uh, Saturday, December fourth. I'll be playing in Apopka, which I think might have just gotten moved to a little closer to Orlando. And then I'm in Charleston, and then Virginia Beach, and then I'm coming back here to Cape Coral, and then Spring Hill. Awesome, man. Well, Steve, it was a pleasure to get to uh, spend this time hanging out and talking to you. Hey, likewise, uh, man. Uh, I implore the listener to check out Wrath and the Wise Guys. Um, check out Wrath Solo and uh, check out the tracks he does with his wife because they're really fucking good. Hey, thank you so much, man. <laughs> You're welcome. Steve, you have a wonderful night and it was a pleasure talking to you and good luck this week moving in, man. Hey, thank you so much, man. You have a great night, too. Hey, you too. Take it easy, man. <laughs> thank you. Um, bye-bye. Bye. Now I know how to live a